Kevin Pelton. ESPN's NBA rank is back for another season. And I'm guessing that your timeline is filled with calm, rational, well-thought-out responses, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone's always just more excited about the players that you have higher than they were thinking. Mm -hmm. And they really just don't pay very much attention at all to anyone who's lower than they expected. Yeah, so with that said, I want to offer my own objective, uh, completely journalistic response. As someone who went to Davidson College with Stephen Curry, I see that he's not uh, number one this year. So my question to you is, uh, how dare you? <laughs> you know, I think it's uh, a little harder this year now that he's not coming off of a, a finals MVP like he was a year ago. Yeah, I, you know, I, I understand uh, that this is an industry exercise. It's not just you. I'll leave you alone. I'm not going to let everybody pile onto your mentions, even though you've decided to stand out here in, in front of it all and, and, and take it. Um, so everybody spread some of that anger and celebration around to a, a bevy of different journalists who've come together for this. I, the, the whole panel is almost 150 people. So you, I don't think you can fit all of those in uh, <laughs> reply. Well, well, I don't know. Who knows what, what the new Twitter settings are? Maybe you can just tag everybody and, and see what happens. When it comes to basketball, we're obsessed with comparisons and rankings. It's always some variation of LeBron versus Kevin Durant or LeBron versus Stephen Curry, or it's arguing about who's a top five player in the league. But today, NBA rank is here and tries to settle the debate. The top 100 players in the NBA are all slotted, with some numbers raising more eyebrows than others. So Kevin Pelton joins the show to break down ESPN's NBA Rank 2023, and he lets us in on the process behind determining the best basketball players in the world. I'm David Dennis Jr. It's Thursday, October 12th. This is ESPN Daily. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, Kevin. So, I, look, I know this list has been rolling out all week long, uh, but could you give us a quick primer on just exactly how all of this works? Yeah, so I mentioned it's a, a group of almost 150 panelists, and the way it works now is... You know, basically from a pool of players that are selected that have a reasonable chance at the top 100, everyone who logs in here votes between two different players. Which one do you think is going to be more valuable in the upcoming season, which includes health, it includes availability, and those are some of the factors. It's not just, you know, who's the best player if you were playing one game. You got to kind of incorporate regular season in playoffs. So there's a whole lot that goes into it, but that's, that's how it's done. It's basically us picking, you know, Kevin Durant versus Joel Embiid, which player would you rather have this season? Yeah, and so today the top five players in the league have been revealed, but we have to start with somebody who was out of that top five, probably the most eyebrow-raising, you know, potentially controversial decision, LeBron James, right? LeGoat, if you will, 
hanging on to the top 10 ranking by a thread into his 21st season. He's in the number nine slot, lowest he's been ranked in the, in the history of this exercise. What does that mean aside from the idea that father time just comes for everybody? I feel like it's actually a little low relative to where he finished last year's playoffs, where he still probably played at a top five level in the league. So, you know, I think it's a combination of that aging factor, uh, the expectation that you never know what his availability is going to be in terms of health and injuries during the regular season. And then just the fact that there's a lot of candidates out there right now, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think one of the things that really has been a challenge for us, maybe the last four years in particular doing NBA rank is there's this big disconnect between the most valuable players in the regular season, which is often is determined by health. And then the guys who have been best in the playoffs, Nikola Jokic kind of synthesized the two of those last Mm -hmm. year where he was the runner up for MVP. And then, you know, clearly the best player in the playoffs leading the nuggets to a title, but there's a lot of situations, you know, go back to Kawhi Leonard in 2019 when he, Mm -hmm. missed a bunch of games before we even called that load management back in the day and then led the the Raptors to the title that year. That was the first time LeBron got bumped off the top spot. There's been Mm -hmm. a lot of cases like that, and LeBron is an example of that for sure. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to keep in mind. As you mentioned, LeBron, 38 years old, he'll be 39 midway through the year, entering his 21st season. Uh, There was the viral sort of Instagram clip where he learned that he was the oldest player (laughs) in the league, played through a significant foot injury down the stretch, we saw him look out of gas at some points in the postseason. But, hey, guys, King James, man. So when the season comes to an end, do you really expect him to be ranked as the number nine best player in the league still? I would say a little higher than that. But part of it is, of course, you know, that there's kind of tiers where it, it, it could be somewhere between fifth and tenth. And we're just kind of, you know, debating all of those guys where there's very little that separates them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you, you're in more danger historically of trying to write off LeBron too early because of his right. age than uh, waiting too long to, to write him off. Yeah. So on media day, LeBron said that Anthony Davis, who was ranked 10th, by the way, was now the face of the Lakers, right? But what's that really mean? What's the Lakers ceiling if they need to rely on AD instead of LeBron at the end of the day? Yeah, I think offensively is the big question mark there because you look defensively in last year's playoffs, AD was probably the single most dominant defender. As Bain drives, but he struggled. Oh, what a block by Davis. Swats it off the backboard. Through the lane, rejected, denied. And Lakers within three. Moody gets inside, blocked by Davis. Another one. And that was consistent on a night-in-night-out basis and was one of the biggest reasons the Lakers made it to the Western Conference Finals before getting Mm. swept by the Nuggets. Offensively, we saw a lot more up and down, and that's where, you know... If the face of the franchise is more about the off-court stuff and starting to push that towards AD because you know that he's going to be there after he just signed an extension for a long period of time, probably beyond when LeBron is you know, at least playing for the Lakers, but, but mm-hmm. possibly as he starts to talk about retirement, I think that makes sense. But like offensively, at the end of the day, LeBron has got to be the guy who is creating the majority of the offense for the Lakers because it, it's tough for AD to do that and do everything he does at the defensive end of the court. You know, LeBron and AD have been teammates for some time now, and you know, you know, LeBron campaigned and wanted him on that team very badly. Uh, do you think that at this point in his career, after these years together at LeBron's age, that he believed he would still be the best player and the highest ranked player on this Lakers team? I don't know. It's tough to get into LeBron James's mind without having ever played an NBA game, let, his, <laughs> let alone at the level that he has. 
I mean, I think that's part of why he wanted Anthony Davis to come to the Lakers, though, is to, you know, take that baton and allow him to take a bit of a step back, certainly. So, yeah, I think at this point he probably was thinking, you know, AD might be there. And and it's interesting, you know, if, if AD had stayed healthy, similar to LeBron, that's the biggest question mark is his availability. If he had stayed, you know, completely healthy this entire time, we might be saying that, you know, if you go back to the 2020 bubble playoffs as well as he played back then. So let's hit on two of LeBron's notable contemporaries slash rivals through the year who are also hanging around the bottom half of the top 10. Um, There's the extraordinarily educated Steph Curry (laughs) um, and Kevin Durant who are ranked fifth and seventh respectively. How much longer can we expect them to stay in the top 10? I think Steph's got a little more of a, a window here than than Durant does. Just when you look at the two of their ages and, and their skill sets, I mean, you know, Durant has the upside that it's kind of like Dirk Nowitzki with mm. his size and shooting ability. He's he's always going to have a great deal deal of value. That floor is a little bit higher in his case. Hands it to Durant. Jones trying to shade him. Durant, that's an impossible angle. Kevin Durant delivers. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we have seen the last couple of years is after that really transcendent 2021 playoff run with the Nets where he almost single-handedly dragged them past Milwaukee with James Harden playing on a severe hamstring injury, Kyrie Irving out for the end of that series. Since then, KD's efficiency has really kind of slipped in the playoffs the Mm. last two years when they got swept by Boston in the 2022 first round the uh, last go-round in Brooklyn. And then last year, as they were losing to Denver, it was Devin Booker who was really that guy in the playoffs for Phoenix. So I think that's the biggest question mark for him and why he's below Steph in these rankings. You know, Steph is still only a few months removed from one of the all-time great Game 7s to close out Sacramento in the first round with the Warriors. Curry with Murray on him. Three-pointer. Puts it in! Oh, Steph Curry from way downtown! Beautiful, dominant performance. I feel like he's still probably operating a slightly higher level than KD right now, but uh, I would love to have either of them on my team. Yeah, KD also executive produced that Drake album, so I think that might nick him (laughs) down a a few slots on the list. Um, So when you look at these players at the top of the rankings, right, you'll notice a trend. For the second straight season, the top four players are all international players. There's Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, and Luka. What does that say about the state of the game, both globally and here in the States? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of factors. Now, first off, I, I should know, Joel Embiid, now now officially an American in terms of yeah, his yeah. international <laughs> basketball as he uh, <laughs> hopes to play in the Olympics next summer for the U.S. But yeah, I think, number one, those are all big men. You know, Luca's six foot eight, the smallest of that group. And, you know, seven footers in particular, if you look at the, the Jokic Embiid Giannis group, well, there's a lot more of those elsewhere in the world than there are in the U.S. So is kind of the, the development and the infrastructure has gotten better in terms of developing that talent to its peak potential. You know, even if it's someone like Joel Embiid who doesn't pick up basketball until relatively late in their life compared to someone who, you know, was growing up and developing in the U.S., I, I think that's made it easier to find star talent anywhere. It's kind of funny. You think back like a decade, there was a lot of talk of, oh, you know, there's many great role players elsewhere in the world, but it's hard to find star talent there. And, and mm. now, as you say, you know, the top four players all coming from abroad uh, is quite a shift. I mean, it does also probably reflect to a degree the fact that the U.S. hasn't produced a, a great big man of its own. Mm. And mm-hmm. Anthony Davis maybe being the closest thing to that recently, Bam Adebayo, you know, but th- those guys are a level below the top talent. And that's, that's a, a change from what we saw over a long period of time. 
yeah, so there's a lot of sort of American angst that comes along with this sort of international presence at the top of NBA rank. Uh, is there an American-born talent not named LeBron or Stafford Durant on the list that you can see cracking the top four or five spots on this list in the future, let alone the top spot? I mean, if you want to be really optimistic, if Zion Williamson could ever stay healthy for a full season and produce at the level that we've seen when he has been on the court for the Pelicans, I mean, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility, even though right now he's ranked 57th because, you know, coming off of barely playing over the last two seasons, it's kind of hard to anticipate him being more valuable than that this year. Anthony Edwards coming off of his World Cup run as the leading scorer for that U.S. team. I think he's someone who can take a, a leap this year. You know, maybe not top four or five next year, but within two or three years down the road, I think he's someone who's got an excellent chance. Oh, wait, Kevin, what about Jason Tatum? He's sitting at number six this year, and he's by far the youngest American in the top tier of these rankings. He had a few incredible games in the playoffs last year, most notably that 50-point game seven, and the Celtics team just added Drew Holiday. What can we expect from him this year? Yeah, maybe he was too obvious to, to mention in that one since he's already right. there. The biggest question is, same as we talked about with Anthony Davis earlier, it's that consistency of the output mm -hmm. in the playoffs because he has had these incredible highs in the postseason, but times when he struggled a little bit with turnovers and you know creating in late-game situations. And I go back to Bill James talked back in the day in baseball about you know the best player often get tends to get blamed for the team's flaws, and I think that's an example of that with Tatum and the Celtics the last couple of years. Uh, the addition of Drew Holiday, the addition of Kristaps Porzingis, I think gives them the potential to overcome some of those late-game issues that they've had. They're on my preseason and pick to win the championship with those additions. If they do that, then I think it's very possible that Jason Tatum breaks into the top four a year from now. And, you know, let's also talk about their Easter Conference competitor. Um, you know, a lot of times people do get that boost from getting with the MVP level player. Where do you think this trade uh, with Dame Lillard could land him going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a different role for him. He hasn't played with, you know, obviously very few players like Giannis Adetokounmpo is a, you know, an MVP, a Finals MVP, a two-time MVP. Uh, but LaMarcus Aldridge was the last All-Star that Damian Lillard has played with, and it's been, you know, since 2015 wow. and his departure from, from Portland that Lillard has been the guy. So it's a little bit of an adjustment, but also very exciting to see him in a pick and roll situation with Giannis. What you're going to be able to do there defensively is tough to say. You, you certainly can't switch it because that's going to create mismatches on either end. And Lillard's shooting range forces teams to pick him up so high that, you know, I think that's going to enable him to get downhill, enable Giannis to get downhill. And Dame, you know, even though this is not his highest rank, he's coming off perhaps his best season as a pro, 50 plus points three times last year in Portland. Uh, you know, we'll see if he can maintain that in his mid-30s, but uh, certainly an exciting pairing. Coming up, we dive even deeper into NBA rank 2023. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. 
The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Kevin, we were just discussing the changing face and nature of the league, a new generation coming of age, one with a lot more international flavor than in years past. And the next figure in that equation is, of course, Wimby, Victor Wimbanyama, the 7-4 French phenom. The Spurs took number one overall in the draft. He's ranked 47th, and he hasn't even played a game in the league yet. Is that the right place for Wimby? I think it's a reasonable place for him. I mean, I wouldn't have been shocked coming into this if he had been even higher. Like, you know, before Summer League, there was a lot of talk of him being an all-star as a rookie, Mm. potentially. And I think that's cool a little bit. We haven't seen a player directly out of that year's draft being all-star in, I think, over a decade now. And, you know, I, I think there is going to be some challenges, as we saw in that summer league debut for him in terms of scoring efficiently early on in his NBA career, just because of the fact that he has so many skills, the ability to make such difficult shots, that it's kind of figuring out when is going to be the right time to take mm-hmm. some of those shots. But I still think, you know, it's reasonable to put him in the top 50 because defensively, I think from day one, he's going to come in as an impact player with his combination of the size, the length, and then the athleticism at that size and length is what makes him such a special prospect. Spurs harass Wallace into a turnover and home. Oh, <laughs> got in there and got a piece of that one. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people do focus on the offense here, but I mean, it seems like we're looking at, at worst, somebody with a Gobert-like impact on defense, right? I think that's the hope. I mean, at worst, being, you know, multiple-time defensive player of the year, maybe (laughs) setting the bar too high. But yeah, I mean, he's got more length than Gobert. He's got great defensive instincts, and he's he's more athletic and more versatile. So, you know, that that's the upside. Well, now that we're on the Spurs, I want to ask about one of Wimby's teammates, Devin Vassell. He didn't make the list on NBA rank, but recently signed a huge extension to stay with San Antonio long term. I can't help but remember how like Kawhi Leonard came kind of out of nowhere under the Greg Popovich thing. What does Pop know here that we don't? I think a combination of things. One of them is that the salary cap is going up. Mm. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of contracts signed in the next few years that people are going to look at and say, I can't believe that amount of money because they're thinking about where the cap has been, where it's been relatively flat for a period of time coming out of the pandemic, as opposed to where it's about to to skyrocket to with a, a new TV deal coming in a few years here. So you get him signed for that five years it's a much smaller percentage of the cap down the road, especially because the way that the Spurs structured it is uh, our Bobby Marks broke down. Mm. You know, it's going to be at its lowest point the year that Wembanyama would be potentially beginning the extension to his rookie contract mm. and start to mm-hmm. get expensive. So that's something that I think is going to benefit the Spurs because they have tons of cap space right now more than really they know what to do with it. The other piece of it is, you know, his development as a player. Uh, I wrote a piece earlier this week looking at the guys who are most likely to be in the top 100 in NBA rank next year who aren't on the list this year. And Vassell was an easy call for that. I think he could have been in the top 100 this year, even though he's continuing to develop. 
He had a shortened season last year because he had arthroscopic knee surgery midway through, but it was kind of a transformation a little bit, not to the extent like Mikhail Bridges made when he went to the Brooklyn Nets, where it's somebody who we'd think of is this 3 and D player, not the defender that Mikhail Bridges is, Devin Vassell, but you know that's generally been his skill set. And then started to add a lot more of the shot creation. Averaged 18.5 points per game last year in his third season, and I think has the potential. You know, Wembanyama is going to take some of those shots this year, but to 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 keep improving that and maybe hit 20 points per game this season. Now I want to get into by far the most significant riser in this year's ranking, Shea Gilders Alexander who comes in at number eight in this year's ranking after being number 48 a year ago. What does that say not just about what kind of year he had, but also what does it say about his positioning as a legit star in the league? It's a really historic jump in one season. You go back over the last eight years of NBA rank, nobody else had been outside the top 40 and jumped into the top mm-hmm. 10 like Gilgis Alexander did. And we knew that some of this potential was there. He was really effective when he was on the court the previous two seasons, had a lot of injuries during that period of time. Oklahoma City was obviously being extremely cautious with him because they were rebuilding and you know looking to, to maximize their draft position. But last year, they jump into the play-in tournament, and he was the driving force in it. Shea gets it, spins away, baseline shot, Shea! made my All-NBA first team, made my MVP ballot last year. So, you know, if anything, based on that, based on the regular season part of it, eight even seems a little low. And then kind of backed it up this year in the the World Cup, helping lead Canada to bronze medal and showing some improvement in terms of his pull-up three-point shooting. I think that's kind of the one last piece of the puzzle because Mm -hmm. this is somebody who gets to the rim as well as anyone in the NBA. You feel like this thing is is pretty sustainable and not just guy coming out of nowhere with a one-hot year jumping 40 spots like do you think that we could be seeing him as a perennial top 10 i do i mean you talk about who could be the next guy to win mvp for the first time and shea gilgis alexander is right there at the top of that list especially as oklahoma city continues to develop here yeah so let's talk about okc's development a little bit thunder featured four players on the list this year led by sga but when you think about their recent drafts and the presence of a josh giddy chet holmgren jalen williams does it feel like we're at the cusp of something special in OKC? I think it feels a lot like you go back to Oklahoma City. This was, you know, now I think 13 or 14 years ago when they had just drafted Durant, Westbrook, Harden, back-to-back drafts. I don't think we're quite at that point where they, within a period of two years, went from their first season in Oklahoma City where they were non-competitive to being in the NBA Finals by 2012, the Conference Finals by 2011. That's a lot to expect, but you know, it's similar to that where they've got this core of talent in place and they've got more draft picks coming and some cap space, also the ability to go out and make a trade at some point to accelerate their timeline. Yeah, and, and you know, and hopefully, like this time around, they can figure out some cat maneuvering and keep everybody together for the the, the full run. Uh, but Kevin, let, let, when you look at this year's ranking, is there anyone else to keep an eye on that might take a leap like SGA did this year? Like I said, that's a historic leap, so it, it's a lot to expect of of anybody. I would say somebody who has been kind of slept on lately is Lamelo Ball, who. Mm was an all-star 2021-22, one of the youngest all-stars ever. You look at that list, it is basically all guys that you know with one name, uh, and Lamelo has a chance to get there. McDaniels! Oh, oh, yes! Great balls of fire! First punch of the year for Lamelo. 
His uh, 2022-23 season was marred by a series of ankle injuries. The Hornets were non-competitive by the time he really got healthy even a little bit. And I think because of that, he's kind of been forgotten. But this is somebody who has an incredible skill set in terms of his playmaking ability, uh, his, his shooting range, things like that, and is still extremely young, younger than a lot of players who were drafted in the first round of this year's draft. Uh, I think if he puts it together, top 10 is probably still a stretch, but I think top 20, maybe even top 15 is completely reasonable for him next year. So the question here is like, is there enough around LaMelo to sort of help him make that jump? I think one thing that benefited SGA was that team kind of overperformed a little bit. Um, do you think that there's enough in Charlotte to kind of give him that boost or is the skill set alone enough to give him a shot at rising in next year's NBA rank? I think there's better talent around him this year. Mm. Uh, they also add Brandon Miller, the number two pick in this year's draft. So is it enough talent for them to be a playoff team? I think probably not. But, you know, they were in the play-in two years again. I think that's a, a realistic outcome for them this year. So we're at the end here, Kevin. And I want to know uh, about the process itself. So take me into the process. How have you seen it evolve since it started in 2011? And how do you foresee it continuing to evolve in the future? So a couple of big changes. Number one was when this first started out as a, you know exercise to create some content during the 2011 NBA lockout. Mm. The idea mm. was, we're going to rank everybody in the NBA, <laughs> 1 to uh. 500. So that led famously to Jeremy Lin, the year before Lin Sanity, was ranked 467th mm-hmm. in these rankings. But at some point, the ability to determine you know, who's number 350 and who's number 351, it's a pretty trivial distinction. So it's been cut down to that top 100 in a, in a focus on those players. And then the other big change, I mentioned at the start that the way we choose it is you know, we're presented with two different players and then you know, it's kind of a matter of using your winning percentage in all those matchups to rank the players. Uh, that's a different style than when we first started when it was it was actually submitting lists of mm. one to however many uh, going forward I think though you know we'll see but uh, more of the same it, it's now kind of an established mature thing as it uh, uh, approaches its teenage years NBA rank so Kevin Pelton I'm sure you've been seeing spreadsheets and stats in your dreams or maybe nightmares but you know we're a couple weeks away uh you know we're going to get the season we're going to see it all play out and we're going to see that the rankings were absolutely correct from top (laughs) to bottom just as they are every year without fail um i have faith in you guys believe in you guys as always thanks for joining us thanks for having me weirdly i've never seen someone come back at the end of the season and say wow that was spot on (laughs) (laughs) clearly they're wrong I'm David Dennis Jr. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.